0: Everybody and welcome to episode 43 of my podcast, I Stand Strong. I, as always, am Teddy coming at you from my bear cave in the concrete jungle of the beautiful Midwest. Um, before I get started, I want to um, just kind of like throw something out there real quick because shortly after me and Tony recorded our last episode about uh, great artists in comics, um, the news came down that John Romita Sr., uh, a man we mentioned on the podcast had actually passed away, and it was kind of sad to hear. It was also really, you know, really interesting timing that happened. Just like I said, few days after. Um. So yeah. Oh, and a follow up to my best sports movie, the actor for Major League I could not remember the name of. I meant to mention this before was Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger, good actor. Um. But anyways okay so on to the topic at hand um, this one came up to me from uh, Tony had sent me this podcast uh, that he listened to and they were talking all about one of my favorite games which will be on this list um, and it made me think of like just games that are to me endlessly replayable. Um, Yeah, so I mean, various reasons for why, but, um, so yeah, I'm going to kind of just, I guess I'm just going to riff on uh, games that I could keep, just keep replaying, um, no matter how many times I've beat them. Uh, But yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess I'll kind of just start with uh, one of the real obvious ones to anybody that knows me, and that's any of the Borderlands games, but really kind of focus mostly on uh, Borderlands 2 and uh, tiny Tina's Wonderlands because those two are kind of the I, I really feel B- Borderlands 2 was a high watermark for the series but tiny Tina definitely um definitely captures what what is awesome in that franchise and does its own thing I mean you have a lot more custom you know customization to your characters and you know, and you know the the ability to, you know, work like, you know, subclass yourself really gives it a ability to like every playthrough could be different, even though the story is the same. But um but yeah, with these games it's it's I mean it's obviously more of because of the fact that it can be uh um you know, as you're playing, you can definitely um you know, you, you get done with the main story and there's a lot of content after, like the, the the end game content, so to speak. Like with the, you know, you don't have to have the DLCs for it, but the DLCs add a little bit of replayability. But the big one is just going back through the game in uh, chaos mode makes enemies harder, drop more loot, drop better loot, um, as well as the chaos chamber is is freaking amazing. Um and this is a game I've pretty much 100%ed. Um I, I think I've like or I shouldn't say 100%, but I've I've gotten all the trophies. I think I got all the trophies on PS4. When I upgraded to the PS5, I did have the PS5 version and I think I'm quite a few uh trophies from finishing that one off. But I still go back to it every now and then. Um like I said, you know, the chaos the chaos chamber um makes it for a totally random gameplay. Um, although you get to the higher chaos levels of it, you have to have at least another person, if not a full party of four. Um, but even without that, I mean, like i said the 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 ability to to class your character um really makes it interesting. I mean, you have what I think now, six or seven classes. So you get your starting class, you know, midway through the... Or not even midway through the game, but a little bit into the game, you get the ability to subclass, which just makes for, like... I I say, you know, I'm not going to say infinite, but it makes for, like, a lot of different options as far as how your character plays, you know, what what skills you're going to want to use, that kind of stuff. And I think that's what makes tiny tina really stand out where borderlands 2 it's just the game is just so badass i I could continuously replay that one even if i'm just playing new game plus through um i can't remember what i think they called it true vault hunter mode was like the 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 second playthrough where it makes everything like way more difficult and like i said the the loot uh the loot drops get better and you know your money. You know you get a lot more money, which allows you to buy more things. Um, so yeah, so that the like the Borderlands games, I think. Um, you know, I, I did a whole podcast with my nephew Anthony about them, and like the first one was really good, but in hindsight, it really kind of does prove to be kind of a proof of concept for two, which is the G like the truly great game three. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've I've done time in three, but. I just don't feel like three really captured me even though I like the classes that they give you in that game. I don't think three really uh really helped me as well but then you know like I said tiny Tina dropped I love the idea of you know basically you're playing your character is playing a d and d campaign or in this case it's b and b bunkers and badasses. But then you know you do have some of the familiar characters come back. Like Torque comes back as a, a bard. Um, you see, Claptrap of course comes back in a couple points. But I don't think they ever really do. They bring oh Brick comes in as the the punch fairy or something like that. Oh God, that cracks me up because I, I I always loved Brick in the first one. Okay. So yeah, the the Borderlands games definitely have a high replay value to them, but you know, that, that's that. And I think the next one I cover will probably be kind of the same thing of why they're replayable because you have that, you know, kind of like technically you have the, the endless run by the end of it. You know, you're just, your story ends, but the game doesn't end. You can always continue to go back and play more. Um, See, I guess I'll just like, since that one, this one kind of ties into the, you know, the, the next, my next one has the same basic thing about it to me. I'll just throw that one out there. Now that's Diablo three. Um, I've lost track of how many hours me and Tony put into Diablo three. I know I had um, one of every class maxed, leveled, at least uh main level. I didn't do the, I can't remember what they start. Like once you hit the. The soft cap, there's like the the levels you get after that. I can't remember what they called it. <clears throat> but then you eventually, you know, but once again, it's it's a game where you know the randomly proceed the procedurally generated dungeons um really make it have a replay value. Even once the quest is done, you can go in and do the uh I I can't remember what they called their version of the Chaos Chamber now. Cause it has been a while since I've played Diablo 3. But I feel like that would be that's a game I could easily just pick back up and start losing hours into um but yeah they they have a a, a similar thing to the chaos chamber where it's you know you go and just there's sub quests within the different maps and completing all of them gets you you know gets you special bonus and everything and once again, similar to um. Borderlands, you know, the the higher your diff, you know, or the sorry, Tiny Tina's version of Borderlands. You get the um you know, you as you raise your your levels after the game is done, it gives you more difficult enemies. And so the enemies start dying harder, but they give you better loot and that's you know, but I I do feel like Diablo 3 has a lot more towards like builds like there are definitely like, if you're like, I remember Tony had, I, I do not know what to call this build, but he had basically a barbarian that he had it specked out. So as he started doing this, like whirlwind attack, as long as he was hitting stuff, he never stopped. So if you had just like waves and waves of enemies, he could just sit there and spin across the entire dungeon. And it was hilarious. But I never, I never got into deep into that aspect of it. But like I said, I did have, I did take the time to go through and get one of every class up to at least the highest, like base level. Um, I can't remember, like I said, I can't remember what they called the the levels that started going up after that that you needed for the the end game dungeon stuff. Um, so yeah, those two are like I said; those two are kind of very similar as far as why they're replayable. Um, where a lot of the other games on here are not going to they, like I, they're they're replayable for different reasons, very different reasons. Um, so yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and move on to my next one. Um, I debated on whether to put this one here, one on here because I haven't played it in a while, and. To some extent, like I want to, but the tutorials alone that are going to start popping back up make me really not want to get back into this game at the moment. Um, and that's Monster Hunter World. Um, God, I, I I think when I stopped playing this for the second time, uh, which was like after the expansion, like they had dropped the I was it Iceborne expansion, I believe is what it was um which dropped like a whole bunch more character or monsters to hunt uh new area um but yeah it was i think i had like 4 or 500 hours easy into this game um and most of it was spent playing with Tony or we had a couple friends that we found through a Facebook community for Monster Hunter World uh Jeremy and Adam that we put hours into this game and like I had several builds on my character, you know, I had a specific build if I was going to be running a hammer, um, even though the inset glaive was kind of like my, my jam. I love, I loved the inset glaive. Once I figured it out, um, that was kind of the problem was the inset glaive. I remember there's a learning curve on it and there's a learning curve on a couple of them. I, I know like uh, Tony ran the, oh what was the, I can't remember the name of the class that he they. He ran hammers sometimes, but he ran a hunting horn. I think is what it was called, and the hunting horn was really badass if you learned it because it was like basically you could give yourself and your your party buffs by doing certain commands with your hunting horn. <clears throat> so yeah, he was like, if if you had a good hunting horn player in your party man you could you could go take down any monster pretty quickly because of just the buffs um like i said i was more of the insect glaive i fiddled a little bit with the long sword um never really got into like a lot of the the there were a couple other ones that had learning curves that i just wasn't fascinated enough to capture in because i know like there was the um the switch axe was one of them um, I want to say the sword and shield had a transformation to it. That was okay, but it just it just didn't get me. But this game, like I said, you know, I loved the way you you started with it. you know, you had your base weapon. and you could only hunt like these really small monsters, to try to get better armor, you know the the parts. and then it's like you hit a certain point and it's just like, okay, now you need to start really farming these more uh, more difficult monsters. And man, some of those monsters were like insane to fight. I think there's still a couple of them like I have never beaten. Like I don't think I've ever beaten a Black Diablos. Um, and I never beat like some of the the raid boss type type uh, monsters because I know like they did a a Final Fantasy crossover where they brought in Behemoth, and I never bought, beat Behemoth. And then I never beat, I don't remember the name of, there was some monster they dropped like late, late in the game where it was like the monster would change its elements or whatever halfway through the fight or, you know, like constantly throughout the fight. And it made it really difficult. And I just never had a party big enough to really be able to handle it. Um, but then they did, they did some more interesting things, which... I never got a hundred percent into, but they did some really interesting stuff with some of the other add-on monsters. Like adding, um, they had this giant one that's like they had a couple of them where it's like basically you had to beat the monster several times to get the better gear. Like you'd fight this monster several times and it would like you just whittle down its life and then at time limit it would run away. You come back in, you boot back up, you'd be at a higher level of like. Um, like inspection on the monster, and the higher you got that inspection level before beating it, like the better art, like better gear you got from it. Um, the only thing that sucked with that one was you didn't get to choose what your weapon was, like you just got these pieces and you get them. You know, you go and have like turn them into this one person, and they would, like, <sighs> in a way, I don't know, I can't remember the word they use for it, but it's like. It basically they'd they'd inspect them and they'd oh you got this weapon and this weapon and I re- I think I don't think I ever got any of the good insect glaives from that monster. But like Diablos or not Diablos um but there was a monster that just Nergigante, that was the one that like I loved the Nergigante. Um ooh, I don't think I ever beat the special variant of the Nergigante either, because I know they dropped a like a way more um, like aggressive and powerful Nergigante that I never got to beat, and I always regretted that. But I remember I, I I lost track of how many times like I got an expert at fighting the regular Nergigante because I just loved to play fight that monster. Um, but I mean, you also had you know the. You know, the Rathaloses and the Rathians and I can't remember the name of the T-Rex. They had like this T-Rex type monster that was, that could be really awesome. But I remember he was probably the first like wall you hit in the main game. Like you'd get so far and you'd have to fight this, this creature. And dude, he would just wreck you until you had the right armor. And, but then it was like, once you, it was one of those things where it's like, once you figured it out, you're like, okay, no. And then like, you never, you rarely ever lost to him again. Oh, I remember they, they dropped the, the demon pickle, the devil show eventually. And that was, that could be really a really fun fight, but that one could also be really frustrating. If you have people with you that aren't very good at, uh, defending against him or don't know what to do with him. So yeah, Monster Hunter World definitely has a great replay value. Um like I said, I think I just I burned myself out on that game from playing it for so long constantly. But at some point in time, I'm gonna have to go back and play that one again because that game is really good. It's just like, like I said though, the problem is if you're off the game for too long, even though it remembers your character, your character at a mass level, it still pops up all the boxes for your uh <clears throat> Excuse me for the tutorial stuff, and it gets really annoying. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on from that now because I could I could go for hours on just how annoying that is. Um, but oh, which one do I want to go to next? Okay, I'm gonna go to one with I've actually I've I've replayed three times. Um, but I think the the. The reason it hasn't been four or five is just because of how long the game is but it is it's one of those ones like i still hold it as like one of the high like the best rpgs ever made in my eyes um and that's lunar silver star story complete and i will never stop thanking tony for introducing me to this game um i think it originally came out on like super nintendo it came out on like an older system um, maybe it was like a Sega CD or something like that. I can't remember where it came out, but the version I played was a re-release they did on regular PlayStation where they didn't change the graphics of the core game, but they added in like some animated cutscene, like anime style cutscenes. Um, and this game is just like beautiful. I mean, it, it's really kind of cookie cutter as far as a story. You know, you have the kid that always dreams of being the hero and he, He's a huge, uh, you know, a huge fan of this, this hero of legend named dragon master dying. And he really would love to be a dragon master. And then one day, you know, the, the ice cave at the, like just North of his town, his little village, um, like a uh, earthquake happens and it cracks open the entrance to this cave. So him and his friends go and, you know, go to, uh, like, check out the cave. And that introduces you to the first dragon. And then next thing you know, you're on a quest to be, you know, trying to be the next Dragon Master. So, like I said, it's very cookie-cutter. You know, kid dreams of being the hero. Oh, my God, he does become the hero. Um, But it... I mean, at the core, it's very cookie-cutter. But, I mean, it really does some things that make it stand out in the long run. But this game, I remember, took forever because it is... Um, it has some serious points where you need to grind out your, you know, your, you know, you'll find a dungeon and you'll use that dungeon to just grind up your levels because the bosses get hard really quick. Um, this is also the game that was the first game to teach me the lesson of always have two save files because I got to the final dungeon, but I was not ready for it, um, by a landslide, uh, like. Stats wise, like I did not grind, I did not level up enough. So I get into this dungeon, I'm getting my ass handed to me, can't get it. And then, you know, can't beat where I need to get to. And then I go to get out of the dungeon and realize there's no way back. So I had to start the game all over again from the beginning. Cause this, you know, this wasn't a day when there was, you know, auto save Features. No, this was like, if you didn't save it, it didn't save. And I only had the one save. So I remember I was messaging uh, Tone. I I think I can't remember. I messaged or I called him that. I'm like, dude, I'm stuck. How do you get off the dungeon? He's like, you can't. You didn't have a second save file. I'm like, no, I only have the one. He's like, always have a second save file just in case this happens. So you better believe the next playthrough, I had a second save file just in case I was not prepared for a dungeon I was stuck in. But this game, like like I said, still to me high watermark for uh, especially for Japanese RPGs. Um, but this game is awesome. It like I don't think I've found an RPG that I've liked. And I've I've played quite a few RPGs that I've really liked, like you know, Chrono Cross, Chrono Trigger. Um even some of the early Final Fantasies were great, but Lunar, for some reason, is just like that perfect that perfect niche for me. So, like, I could easily replay this game when I know I have the time to devote to it because I know it's it's going to take some time to get through it. Um... So, yeah. So, that is Lunar Silver Starry, Star... Blah, 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 Silver Star Story Complete. Um... I guess I guess I could mention there was a sequel to this one that was really good, but just not as it just didn't it didn't it didn't grab me as well as the first one. I mean it wasn't a, by no means was it a bad game. It was still better than a lot of RPGs I've played. But I don't you know, if you if you compare it to the first one, it it really falls short to me. Um but I think we're we're was it I can't remember I can't remember what the second one was called. I know it was Lunar Blue something. I, I can't remember what it was, what it was but uh, but Silver Star Story. But anyways, sorry. Uh, the second one, where it really stands out to me, what really worked with it was there were things that happened in the first game that you get payoffs payoffs to in the second game. So like in the first one, you take down this like moving fortress. Um and it like you know when once you beat it like the the thing just never moves again. Well, in the second game it's like so far into the future. I can't remember how far it goes into the future, but it goes a little ways into the future and that is still there, but it looks more like just a regular mountain now because of like, all the growth around it and everything. And that is really cool. Um So yeah, anyways, so Lunar both of them are fun, but the first one, the first one is just amazing. Um, okay, well, here we'll go to one that I think two out of three games in this, because I'm, I'm going to use like the three games as one, because it really kind of is, and that's the Mass Effect trilogy. The original ones, you can feel free to never touch. Uh, Pandora, I think, was the one, last one they made, which was like a a spin-off game that was glitchy as hell. It just didn't live up to the series. But the, the main, you know, Commander Shepard trilogy is really good. And two out of the three are perfect game. Or, well, number two is a perfect game. The The first one is really, really good. But it does have some jank because it was really early in the, the Xbox, I believe. The original Xbox's life. Um, but then Mass Effect 3... I don't mind the ending as much as a lot of people did, um, but Mass Effect Three is 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 a really good game. But I'll give them I'll give a little bit of credit to the the naysayers on it. It the ending doesn't quite it doesn't quite stick the landing. But at that point in time, you're so invested in these characters that you're interacting with and the character you're playing as that. I think even the ending falling a little bit short still doesn't hurt the series much to me. Um, once again, another game that's not really, you know, you don't really have a an end game thing. When you finish the story, the game's over, but it does have the good evil meter kind of thing going. So you can play it as like just a true hero, or you can play it as just an absolute asshole. And trust me, I've played as the complete asshole and there's only one decision in this game that I will never, never actually stick with. Because I did it one time and I instantly felt so dirty. I just booted up an earlier save and went back and changed that decision. Because there's a character you can kill. Well, I mean, I guess there's you know spoilers for an older game. So whatever. If you're listening to this and you haven't played the Mass Effect games, go play them before you hear me talk about this. But there's a point... Where you can, you have the decision to kill one of the party members, Rex, and he is a badass character. And I, in in the main thing, you can like basically talk him him because basically he's he's part of the Krogan race, and the Krogans have been um, inf- infected with the Genophage virus. And you find out that the main villain of this, the first game, is. Um, basically he's like cloning Krogan's. Um, and you go to the cloning facility and you have the decision to, you can blow up the cloning facility or you can listen to Rex. Like basically, I think, I think it's like he wants to, you know, not destroy it because it could at least create more Krogan's or whatever. I, I don't remember the exact pieces to this point, but, It causes a rift between you and Rex, and you could either talk him down, or you can kill him. And I've killed him once, and the second it was done, I'm like, no, I can't, no. And like I said, I I booted up an earlier save file, went back and played the moment again, and kept him alive. Even though I was being a total asshole character, I could not keep that decision made. And that says something for the characters. I mean, these. The, the, I think the character work, as well as the story, is really what makes these these games stand out. I mean, um, on top of the fact that it's just a, it's such a complete story between the three. I mean, you have the first game where you're the first human to be you know inducted into this like elite 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 force of what I guess you could essentially consider like Starfleet. Um, called the specters, which, you know, like I said, you're the first human to be allowed into this group. Um, when suddenly this, you know, kind of like alien from beyond, like, you know, beyond our comprehension of the known universe, or I guess it's beyond the known universe comes out and is a threat. And so you're kind of thrown into the, um you know, kind of trying to be the hero and putting together an, a group of of soldiers that can help you fight this thing. And, you know, so it's it it's more of an action RPG. The first one leans way more into the, the RPG aspects, I feel like, um, you know, but it's, it's RPG with guns and some of the gunplay is a little bit wonky in the first one. Some of the, you know the commands don't really work as well, but then you get to the second one and it's like, you're an established hero of the universe. A new threat arises, um, still kind of tied to the first threat, but, and then, you know, you're off to the races. And like I said, second one, much like the Borderlands series is where, like, I think the series is at, is at its best. Um, you know, it's God, it's such a, such a beautiful series of games and it's, it's one of those ones. Like I remember seeing, I remember when Xbox first came out, I kept seeing the cover for it and it just looks so like the cover really makes it look like such a generic game. Um, but really it, I guess, I guess first one, you could see it as kind of almost being somewhat of a, a generic game in some aspects but it really shows that it has more to it by the end. Um, like I said, then the second one, just you know, second one they they start highlighting the action, like you know, the action shooter cover, you know, cover system stuff a lot better. And I want to say the psionics start getting better in that one, to like where you can like use like mind powers and whatnot, but. On top of the fact, I think the second one also is where they introduce, like, a lot more of the the really badass characters. Um, But then you have stuff that, like, that throughout the series, you know, like, add up to being better. Like, there's a decision to make with this giant, like, spider alien species. You have, like, in the first game, you meet the queen, and you can kill her right there because she's trapped. Or you can let her go, even though everybody's like, no, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to let her go. Look what they did, look what the rack and I did the last time. And but if you let her go, she has a, a story to play in the future games. Does it get a great payout in the third one? Not really, unfortunately. That that was one of the things I really wish they would have done, more of a payoff with the rack and I in the third game. But you know, like I said even with its flaws, I think this series is probably one of the most, like better replayable stories I've, I've encountered, um, you know, and it's, it's actually like I've redownloaded the, what I think they call it the legendary collection, legendary collection, which is like all three of them for the newest system, um, probably with minor, uh, improvements. But so I, I've got that, I've got this one queued up to play again at some point in time, so that says a lot about it to me. Like you know, and I think even before this newer, you know, this newer system drop one, I've you know, I've played it, played through all three of them like three or four times easily. Um, and sometimes I find th- something that I didn't find in a previous playthrough. So you know, this 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 is this is one of those games that's like I really hope that. Since Pandora was such a bad game, um, I want to say it was called Pandora. At least that shows you how much that 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 new one even stood out to me. It's like I can't even remember exactly what it was called. I not remember if it was called Mass Effect. something. I want to say it was Pandora, but um, you know I'm still kind of excited that they've announced that they're probably going to do more with the Commander Shepard story. Even though, to some extent, I don't really think you need any more from his story they do a really good job at wrapping up, you know, wrapping up his story, but I'm intrigued. So, consider me intrigued when they do decide to drop Mass Effect 4 or whatever they decide to call it. Um, I will definitely at least check it out at some point in time. Okay, um Yeah, okay. This one is another one that I've played multiple times through, and I think for the for Xbox 360, I actually did, like, true 100% this game. Um, and that's Red Dead Redemption. Um, another game that has a really good sequel, but I still don't think it touches the first one, even with the fact that the, you know, the first one graphically is behind. But I remember how beautiful this game was when it first came out. And just how engrossing it was i mean you 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 get on your horse and start riding and you've you lose yourself in the world like it is geniusly put together as well as like the the main character john marston his whole you know his whole story arc of like yeah he was once a criminal and he's trying to clean himself up and just be a family man and a farmer but the government won't let him so they They basically kidnap his family and tell him he can have them back if he takes out his old gang members and thus starts the journey, you know, journey through this, you know, in many ways, kind of like the dying days of the West. I mean, you do have a point where you get introduced to, um, or they, they introduce a early motorized vehicle, but for the most part, you're on horses or carriages, um, but just the amount of stuff you could do in the world, I think, made this game amazing. You know, there's all the hunting missions and the legendary animals if you really wanted to... God, I lost track of how many times I got killed by the legendary jaguar. But, you know, I mean, it's... And, and and the fact... I think the other thing is with this one was the fact that this game was so engrossing. Like, you could be riding along and, like, you'd hear the mountain lion, you know, a mountain lion kind of, like, roar in the distance... And you'd actually, you know, like, I remember actually kind of butt puckering on it because it would be like, oh, God, where is it? Because most of the time, if you heard it, it's already too late. You've already got one on top of you, and it's going to take you right off your horse and just maul your ass. Um, you know, kind of the same way with bears, if you weren't paying attention. Because I remember, like, in the, in the first game, there was an area where bears were just everywhere. And they got pretty, uh, they got pretty vicious at points. Um, but you know, then you had like all the lost, like the treasure maps you could find or the, the plethora of side quests that were, you know, may not move the main story along much, but definitely build out this world. Um, even though a couple of them are definitely played for, for laughs. Like I remember in the first one, there's a guy that wants to, he wants, he he believes man can fly. He just has to build the you know, the right contraption for it. And he, so you have to go and track down like certain birds for their feathers. And I can't remember what else you need to get, but you need to get some other things for him. And he tries to make like basically like these wings up for his arms. And he jumps off a giant cliff, fully planning on flying, but just goes, dives straight down. And then I remember you can go down and find his body and loot it. Um, On top of, I also remember just doing... Some of the most despicable things just for fun of it. Like, um, I remember there was an achievement on this game, uh, for like kidnapping somebody, tying them up and putting them on the train tracks and watching them get hit by the train. And it was so fun to do that, even though I'm like, okay, I'm being a horrible person right now. It made it kind of fun. Um... So yeah, the, the Red Dead Redemption and like I said, the second one is really good, and I think it really does a good job at while telling its own story, building out the the backstory to John Marston some more. Even though I think there, if I remember right, there were a little bit of inconsistencies between the two. Like if I remember right, there were some inconsistencies on like how you know John came to be who he was, where. Um, Like how they explained it in the first game compared to how it plays out in the second game, but you do get a lot more. That that being said, you you still get a lot more building for John Marston, like his time with this gang. Um, you know, getting introduced to the gang before they were the people you were hunting down as John Marston, as well as some of just like this small like there's some small little sub quest side quests that were just kind of. Relaxing, like going fishing with John's son in the second game, was really was kind of a cool little thing, or you know those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, I I definitely say you know play play the second one, but red, the first Red Dead Redemption is really to me the it's like it, it was hard to beat that one. So even when they announced, I'm like, okay, they could do good, but will they do as good as? The first one. Um, I really wish they would have done more with the online capabilities. Because I really feel like that world could have been so much better. But I just like, you know, they, they put so much time into GTA 5's online. That I really feel like, they, you know, they didn't really know what to do with. Red Dead Redemption 2's online capability. So I just, you know, it was a downside because I, I would love to have seen, you know, I would love to play in that world with friends, but eh, it is what it is. <clears throat> and I think, yep, that brings me to my my last my last game. And this is the one, like I said, I, I saved this one for last because this is the one that, that inspired it because hearing people talk about this game Made me want to go replay it again, even though I've beat it. I've gotten every ending. I've uh, you know I I've, I've platinumed it on PS4. Um, and that is the the magnum opus of of Fromsoft to me, Bloodborne. Um, yeah, this game like I don't think there was a game that was made more for me. You know what I mean it's. Uh, the Dark Souls games are great they're fantasy they've got little horror but this one is true like gothic horror you know it, it starts out in a like Victorian London kind of set um like I said victorian England kind of setting where you know you're a guy that gets infused with something that that makes him a hunter um so you know it so in lore you know you die but you get brought back because you're you're a hunter but um yeah this game is just god this game plays so well um i think the other thing that 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 makes it stand out to me over uh dark souls is in dark souls it's very much a sword and shield kind of fighting you know you got to get really good with the blocking parrying attack where this one it's just balls to the wall you do not have a shield you get a gun, but really all it is is your parry system. If, you know, like if someone's in the like if you shoot them at the right animation, you can parry them and it'll give you a visceral attack, which is kind of just a critical attack. Um, but this game, like, you know, starts out, like I said, you're in like a Victorian England kind of uh, looking city that's all run down, covered with uh, like coffins and, va- and like you know urns and whatnot, but then you also have like dead monsters strung up in the city and you have these weird villagers that are roaming around with pitchforks and, you know, they're calling you the monster and all this stuff. But the game evolves about the midway point. Like you really start, like you, you get little hints that there's something that's not quite as it should be kind of thing. Or not everything's, you know, as you're being told. But then you get to a certain point and... You you know, you open your eyes. And that's that's a very apt uh, turn of phrase for this game. And suddenly you're seeing the world for what it really is. And it goes, co- like, Lovecraftian horror kind of stuff. But then it goes really high concept at a couple points. But... Or I should say really out there, maybe not really high concept, but dude, no, this game is, like I said, I've played through this game, I've gotten every ending, um, and every weapon, all that kind of stuff, but like I just can't stop enjoying everything about this game. Like the boss fights still bring, you know, joy to me, which I don't feel that like. I've gone back and I've replayed Dark Souls 1 a couple times, and other than a couple fights. I really don't feel the same you know rush from playing them as I do with Bloodborne like all the bosses even the ones that are kind of you know like kind of really like boring boss fights like the witches of hinwick is not really the greatest boss fight it's like once you figure it out it's a really boring it could be a really boring boss fight but something about it still it still captures me um I'm not saying nothing of the fact that, like, it also has some of the best boss fights from FromSoft. Um, you know, Lady Maria of the Astral Cro- Clock Tower, uh, Orphan of Cause, um, oh God, Father Gascoin, um, freaking uh, Garmin is still an intense boss fight. I mean, there are so many great bosses in this game that even, like I said. And I think it just raises the bar so much that, like, you know, Dark Souls 3... I think Dark Souls 2 and 3 both came out after this one. And 2 was a huge letdown to me. Like, I do not care for 2. It's probably the, the FromSoft game I put the least amount of time into. And 3, while good, just, like, nothing compares to... I mean, like, and that's saying, like, I've even... I've Platinum Sekiro. But that game's, like, totally different than what all the other ones are, uh, than any of the other you know uh soulsborne games um and Elden Ring I've platinumed Elden Ring or yeah I've platinumed Elden Ring but I still feel like while they do some great things with it it still just doesn't come close to everything that is bloodborne um and I I still hold out hope that eventually at some point in time they'll break down and do a bloodborne 2 I don't know where they'll go with the story because, you know, with three different endings, you could easily follow any of the endings. Um, But I don't know which, you know, like depending on which one they use, it could be either really good or really bad, I guess. Um, Yeah, Bloodborne is probably one of the perfect replayable games that, but it's, you know, that doesn't have like an end game kind of thing that just keeps you you know doing endless run you know endless looting kind of thing um and that said bloodborne also like the dlc serves as more of a accent than just like a hey here's something we tacked on at the end like you you could play the entire core game and then go back and play the dlc and the dlc will add to what you're what you've already experienced um so yeah uh, this this game to me is like, you know, I I think I'm I'm due for a replay of this game, even though I've beat it like twice since I've gotten everything in it. So there's really no, you know, there's no like achievements for me going back and playing again. It's just surely for the the joy of playing the game. So, uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess there will, uh, that's that's where I will wrap it up and say thank you for listening and thank you to everybody out there who's you know who supported me in doing this um you know thanks to spider for my artwork as always and the the new artwork on my body that i got when i was back in his neck of the woods a couple weeks ago so yeah i uh oh and if you have any comments questions or anything you can feel free to reach me at Standstrongcast at gmail.com. So, yeah, I guess with that, I will say talk to you in two weeks. Bye bye.